This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. Welcome back, mamas. This week, I sat down with mama Renee Davis. She is a mama of four, three biological and one adoptive child. She is also a lactation consultant. So I wanted to bring her on for this month as I'm celebrating National Breastfeeding Month a month late. (laughs) As I mentioned in the previous episode, August I took the month off, and so I'm taking the first few episodes of September to celebrate that month and celebrate the breastfeeding and pumping mamas out there. Just as a little bit of a warning, Renee's story is a little intense. She was in labor without an epidural for 40 hours, and then the delivery of one of her children was a lot for her to handle. I want to let you know that if that could be a trigger for you, you might want to just go back to another episode. But Renee's story is very powerful, and she's such an amazing mom, and now is an amazing lactation consultant. She has so much information to share and is so uplifting and warm. It was just such a pleasure talking with her. I hope you enjoy. Here's Renee. Here we are. I'm so excited today to sit down and talk with Renee Davis, who is a mama of four, three of her biological children and one adopted child. I'd love to hear more about that. Um, And in addition, she's also a lactation consultant. Uh, I think she also, if I remember correctly, has a pretty intense story. So um, I'm really interested in hearing it. And um, I already kind of made a little bit of a precursor, but if anyone's listening, just be aware that this this might be a little bit of a, a touchy episode to listen to. So if you're not in the right mindset, click on to the next one and come back another day. But welcome, Renee. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Of course. Where are you joining us from? I am right in the middle of Missouri. I'm right outside of Jefferson City, which is the capital, um, but I'm in a very rural area, very Mm. rural area. It's so nice. I see the Milky Way every clear night. Oh my goodness. I guess Mm -hmm. it compared to New York City. I bet it just gets so dark and clear in the sky, right? Absolutely. It's lovely. Mm. And how long have you been there? Have you always grew up in Missouri? Nope. I grew up in Ohio. I was born and raised there. And I came to Missouri in 1998. Um, We wanted to be in a more peaceful, more rural area to raise our children. And it has worked out beautifully Been Mm. here ever since. That's wonderful. You know, it's, it's so crazy. I always go back and forth with a thought, you know, when I have kids of, I love the city and there's always so much to do and there's, there's never a dull moment, but then there's also something about just that open land and letting your kids just run around free. And I don't know, I go back and forth, I guess we'll figure out whatever works best, but Right. Well, you know, there are benefits to both. Exactly. Absolutely. So your children are a little bit on the older side now, correct? (laughs) Yep, they are. (laughs) My oldest is 23. Um, He, his name is James and he lives very close and he has my most perfect grandson. Um, Yep. He's wonderful. (laughs) He's a year and a half. And then my second is 20 and he is active duty Coast Guard and he's stationed in um, California. Our um, last biological child is 18 and she just kind of graduated, (laughs) you know, however weird that is right now. And then we have a 13 year old and she's our adopted child. 
Wow. But so, doesn't feel adopted to us. You know, right. We've had her a long time. Yeah, exactly. So let's go back way, way back, way back in the future and just reminisce on what was life like before you started to have kids? What did, what were you doing oh. for work? I mean, now you're in the lactation <laughs> business and breast pump, mm-hmm. all that world, but what did life look like then? Well, I was a, I was a crazy kid and went to a lot of Grateful Dead shows and, <laughs> you know, flitted around the country and, you know, stayed in Volkswagen vans and did all of that stuff. And then I got married, what I think is one of the most fabulous humans on the planet. We have known each other since kindergarten and wow. we grew up in Springfield and were, we grew up just a few blocks from each other and have known each other always. And, um, after I graduated high school, I went to college for a while and then ended up teaching outdoor education. And so I think that's where my love for the rural life stems from. I did that for quite a while and worked at several different outdoor education centers around um, Ohio. And that changed my life. It definitely taught me that I'm smarter than I thought I was. I just (laughs) learned differently than what I had been told um, and gave me a a rock solid love for being outside. Um, And so I did that and um, straight from that into motherhood. um, And that started my breastfeeding journey. What did the pregnancy journey look like for you? Was it hard to get pregnant? And how was that process? Well, it, it, we've never found it to be like really a fast process. It always took us about a year to get pregnant, but we always got pregnant naturally. Um, and I taught outdoor ed while I was pregnant with James. And so here I was, you know, hugely pregnant. I was, um, we also had climbing towers. And so like I was belaying people on climbing towers when I was eight months pregnant, which is a terribly ridiculous sight. Um, (laughs) but you know, so my, all of my pregnancies were very healthy. Um, and I was very grateful for that very, very grateful for that. But pregnancy came easy. I am not one of those mothers that loves being pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, but I am very grateful, very grateful that we had very healthy pregnancies. And what about for your birthing experiences? Were they all the same? Did they adjust and how, how were they? Unfortunately, they were all the same. I had planned to have a natural delivery with our first son and worked very hard and did a lot of research um, and contracted with a local midwife who was delivering in the hospital. And what I came to find out is oftentimes midwives delivering in the hospital are not very different from doctors delivering in the hospital. And um, I was induced my first pregnancy um, which the baby was not ready and there was no medical reason for that. And I Were you past your due date? Uh, no, no, I was not. But the thing is, is my midwife was going to be out of town and she was just attached to us and wanted to deliver us. And it wasn't supposed to be a big deal, but it was a big deal. And it ended up um, being a 48 hour induction, um, that ended up in a pretty rough delivery. And, um, I had, I went 40 hours without an epidural and finally gave in and then ended up delivering a baby with an APGAR score of one. He was blue and he wasn't breathing and he was limp and he had the cord wrapped around his neck. He was very swollen because I had been on an 
um, IV drip for so long. Um, and so that, that started the cascade of events that led to me becoming a lactation consultant. And then when we moved here and we had our second and third child, I didn't know anyone here and I didn't have access to support for a natural birth. And I was fearful because what have ha what had happened the first time. And so they were both, um, not that, not that a birth with, let me qualify, not that a birth with an epidural is unnatural. I, I don't want to judge anyone's birthing experience, uh -huh. but I had different goals that I was not able to meet, and which then ended up with me being a doula and working with a local midwife in the Mennonite community here, which was a real blessing to me. So with your second, did you still have a midwife or did you have a at-home midwife? How did that decision change? I had a local doctor who I love and who I still am dear friends with now. She's since retired, but she's still a dear friend. She was wonderful, but I did not have access to midwives here that I knew of. Now I know a lot more and I guide women to local midwives that will do home births or there, there's a birthing clinic here in the Mennonite community that some women deliver in, but I didn't have access. I just didn't know. I just didn't know. So during that first process or during that first experience, what, what could you have done, if anything? I mean, did you feel, was it mostly advocating for yourself? Like, did you feel like you were just sort of bullied into making this happen faster? And, and were you healthy? Was it just the baby that wasn't? What was that? It was, I trusted the guidance of the woman that helped me deliver. And I'm sure she had the best intentions. You know, she was a very kind, loving person, but I trusted that she knew what she was doing. And I was fearful of delivering with somebody I didn't know. Yeah. And now I realized, well, they don't come in until the last few minutes. Anyway. So the doctor is not necessarily, should not have necessarily been, or the midwife should not have been my priority. I should have waited but I didn't, I didn't know better. And so were you mostly healthy? It was it just the baby that was not that? Well, remember I was hiking, you know, right. 14 right hours a day. Minute. Yeah. I was extremely healthy. And I, I believe that the baby was not unhealthy. The baby had just been pumped up with fluid and the cord had been wrapped around his neck. Um, and so after he bounced back, he was healthy. It was just, I was so filled with fluid and I didn't get good guidance for lactation. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I apologize. I didn't mean it as okay. far as healthy. I just meant like in that moment, like who, you know, were you going through the same situation? But if anything, you were probably just scared out of your mind to see yep. your baby like that. Well, kind of, you know, what was really cool is I was on a hike one day and this lady said, do you, have you ever heard of gentle birth choices? And I was like, no, she said, I'm going to send you this video because we had been talking about natural birth. And this video shows this baby born with the cord wrapped tightly around its neck. And the baby was black and blue and the baby wasn't breathing. And they very easily resuscitated this baby. And was the baby was with the mom within 10 seconds. And so when he was born, I had that in my history and I oh, wow. had a piece about him being okay. So I thought that that was just uncanny that I'd already seen that happen 
Isn't it weird when different things mm-hmm. like that are placed into your lap? And it's like, why was that person there? Why did they have the urge to bring this up to me at that point? And she even remembered to send me the VHS tape. <laughs> That's what we watched it on. <laughs> wow. That's mm-hmm. really, that's really amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. So after having that first experience, how did you learn and adjust and change for your next two pregnancies or next two births, I should say? Well, there was a lot more to that lactation experience of the first baby where um, I was very swollen. So the baby could not latch on well. Um, the lactation consultant was on vacation. Um, so I did not get good help. Um, we were in a point where we didn't have a pediatrician. We had a family practice doctor and he did not know lactation. And so I didn't get good lactation help. I didn't have lactation basics when I went in there. And what I know now is if I would have had very basic information, I would have been able to, um, understand those red flags. Um, and so that process was very hairy. We, I think we were probably within 48 hours of losing our son um, because I just didn't have the help that I needed. And that's a big, long situation in itself. And so by the time I came to Missouri, I had breastfed him for two years. Like we figured that stuff out, man. I relactated. I, you know, I really, really worked toward a better experience and we did, we got it figured out and he nursed for two years. Um, and then, so when I had my second child, um, it wasn't easy going in the beginning. Um, but I had a normal to compare it to, not, not the early experience, but I knew that it would get better. And so we, um, we just figured it out. I, I never had a lactation consultant to work with. Um, I never had that support. I had a mom. My mother was my my support, but it had been so long since she right. had nursed that she, you know, was reading books. This was before Google. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And before YouTube. So now women have such easier access to things. It's such a gift, you know? Um I mean, like I do online consults Mm -hmm. and so a woman can just get a hold of me from anywhere in the world and I can help her. And that's not, that wasn't available back then. Um, and so when my third baby was born, it, she was just easy. Yeah. And I had such peace about me because, you know, I had kept two other humans alive (laughs) for a long time at that point, Exactly. you know? So yeah. So that was much easier. With your first baby, with that with that lactation experience, what did that look like in, in those first few moments? Was was he not latching or was he unable because of oh. the way that he when he came out, the, the desperation he was in? So because I had been on an IV for so long, my body was very swollen. And so my nipples had been completely flattened. I was just so full of fluid. There was nothing there to latch on to. Uh. Um, and so also I didn't understand proper positioning and there was nobody there that helped me with proper positioning. Not only that, but a few hours after he delivered, everybody and their brother came to visit us. And I would just mm-hmm. strongly encourage women, keep people out 
for the first 24 hours or so, of course you want those special people to come in, say hello, see the baby, leave. Right. You know, and and for those of us who are wanting to see moms in the hospital when they have their babies, don't go. Don't go. Leave people alone. I had so many people in my room. I think we counted like 20 people in the first, like, yeah, yeah. We were the first um, couple in our group to have a baby. So all of our friends came, our parents came, our siblings came, like everybody. And that really threw things off. It really threw things off. And then, so the next babies, we didn't have people come up. We had, um, my parents bring our son, um, and then both of the sons later, but they were quick visits and they were much further along after the baby was born. So we needed that time. And I also needed, I needed help I needed somebody who knew what they were doing to advise me properly, um, but I didn't have that. And so we left the hospital. They used a bottle nipple on my breast rather than an actual nipple shield that should mm-hmm. have been used. I mean, it just, it, it was 23 years ago, you know, yeah. and I, I'm sure I honor all of those women that helped me because I'm sure that they had the best intentions. It, they just were not educated. And right now um, I get to teach part of the lactation program for the nursing program at our local university. And so I talk to those, those future nurses about making sure they are informed about basic lactation and how to assist a mother. And if they don't, they're not doing their job Yeah, because absolutely. we need proper help. And it's a normal body function. This is not some great decision you're making for your baby, although it is. It is a normal body function that hospital staff should be very up to date on. Um, and it, you're going to teach a mom to bottle feed. Why would you not teach a mom to breastfeed? Yeah, absolutely. And it should be, they should be the first steps there, right? When that baby comes out to help. Right. I mean, you shouldn't have to pay an extra person to come in and tell you how to do it. And I moms don't know. I mean, women don't know how to do it. I say moms because mm-hmm. now they're moms, but you know, before then they're just women. They don't know wow. how to do it. And once that yeah. baby comes out and they're birthed as a mother, mm-hmm. they're supposed to just figure it out on their own. Like that should not right. be the way that it is. So that's, that's really great that you're working with them one-on-one. Well, you know, a huge part of my lactation practice is resolving issues that weren't dealt with in the hospital. And, and once again, I, I don't want to, I mean, my husband is a nurse. My son works in the ER. My um, future daughter-in-law is a nurse. I'm not saying that lactation is the most important thing. There are so many issues that are being dealt with in the early postpartum period, but um, lactation is just not and in some places, some places they're doing great, you know, in some places, moms just aren't receiving the just basic help that they need. So clearly from your lack of um, guidance, that's what inspired you to get into this whole business, correct? Oh, you know, I want to know something funny. So when I, so 10 days after James was born, he was readmitted to the hospital because he was um, 20% below birth weight um, and he was still having meconium stools at 10 days, which is 
insane. Okay. So when I was there, the lactation consultant came in and she said, Oh, well, you need to do this and this and this and this and this. And I was like, Okay, great. Thanks. Can you please come back and help me when he's actually feeding? Right. And so then she um, called me later and she said, I've got to leave early. I can't be there. And all the doctors kept coming in and saying, Oh, he's got a great suck. He's got a great suck. Blah, 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 blah. And, and after she left me, I said, if that's what it takes to be a lactation consultant, I could be a lactation (laughs) consultant. And then I ended up as one. But finally, you know. But you didn't act that way. (laughs) No, I I do not. And with my basic information, that's all she gave me was this real basic stuff. And so um, fortunately, I had enough energy, which I didn't have much because I had hardly eaten in three days. Um, A nurse came in and she looked at, I'm sorry if I get a little emotional. She looked at James nursing and she said, you're right. He's not latching on properly. This isn't working right. And it was like, finally, somebody was listening to me, you know? Mom's not best. You knew deep down inside. Yeah, I did. And I kept telling people, those doctors would come in and they'd stick their finger in his mouth. Oh, he's got a great suck. That was just ridiculous that it doesn't translate that way. And so fortunately, we found a La Leche League leader that lived 30 minutes away from us and we rented a pump from her. And um, I was with the support of my mother and my father and my husband who was working and in school Mm. and like he was home like six hours a day during that time. And that was sleep and eat and help me. we were able to relactate and figure it out. How did the pumping help in that process? Well, in order to make milk, you have to remove milk. And so since the baby was so um, compromised at that point, I mean, think about not really having food for 10 days. Yeah. As an infant, you know, he's very dehydrated and, um, so I had to pump and I pumped every two hours for 15 minutes, every two hours, every two hours. And then we would give him first my milk in the syringe because he didn't have enough energy to um, nurse from a bottle. I, yeah. And then we would put my milk in the bottle once he had more energy. And then we just, I, you know, I wish I could remember all the steps because I advise women on this all the time, you know, (laughs) but I don't remember exactly how we transitioned. I'm sure we just started trying and it just ended up, um, I'm sure the pump helped my nipples to protrude Mm -hmm. more effectively. Um, and it ended up, we just transitioned. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, that's really empowering. I think for moms to hear because Once again, like I've said, anytime I interview someone who has to do with lactation, if that is not for you and you go right to bottle feeding, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And and whatever your decision is, I I support that. The Pumping Podcast, we completely support every decision, no matter what that is. But we're just specifically talking about lactation in this interview. And I think it's the most important for women to hear that, you know, all things considered, there is a possibility to go from the inability to latch and to breastfeed to what you did. You know, you started off with a little syringe, then you moved to a bottle and then he moved back to breastfeeding and he was able to latch. I think that's huge. 
And I think, you know, some people kind of just think if they don't get it within that first day or week or two weeks or even maybe a month, you know, that, okay, well, I, I can't do this and my body can't do this. But just know that if you have that desire and there may be, you know, are steps that you can take that can lead you to that, that outcome if that's what you're looking for. Mamas, I just wanted to take a quick moment to recognize one of my sponsors, Hypno Babies. Hypno Babies is birth hypnosis, how to enjoy your baby's birth in comfort, joy, and love. If you're a soon-to-be mama or know a soon-to-be mama, check out the link in the show notes for Hypno Babies. There's a home study course, there's MP3 tracks, and there's also a few non-birthing tracks as well. How to stop smoking, how to help your toddler sleep, and many, many more. Check out Hypno Babies in the show notes for a 20% off discount, and make sure you use the code PUMPINGPODCAST for a 20% off discount. For more info about Hypno Babies, you can go back and listen to episode 7, where I interviewed the founder and CEO, Carrie Tushoff. She was gracious enough to give my listeners a private code for 20% off. So make sure you use that code pumping podcast. Go check out hypno babies in the show notes. Now back to the show. And that's where a lactation consultant comes in. I was flying by the seat of my pants and I, my job as a lactation consultant is not only helping moms with the nuts and bolts of the transition, but it's also there to help moms have confidence in themselves and the process. My job is also to keep moms in touch with reality, you know, and, and formula is not the devil. You know, we are very fortunate to have a good human milk substitute, um, when it is needed. Um, so yeah, I, it is not just the end of the road. Moms have the possibility of transitioning back and it's so much easier and works so much better if they do have support. Do you think educated a, support? Right. Do you think a huge part of it is the mental game? Do you think it's a lot of oh, yeah. self-doubt, lack of confidence? Oh my gosh. So often I'm called the booby cheerleader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, it it really is. And to just help mom stabilize and have peace. That you know, when I first started in lactation, um, we didn't deal with anxiety like we deal with anxiety now. It's like I said, I didn't have access to like online consultations or Google or YouTube, and that would have been very beneficial. However, I do wonder what cost that comes with, with moms being overwhelmed with information and not receiving good help. One of the things that I worry about the very most are um, Facebook pages that moms are giving moms breastfeeding advice. I, when I first got into lactation, I was on a bunch of those. I can't even look at them anymore. There is so much dangerous information given out because one mom's journey does not compare to another mom's uh-huh. journey. And we give advice based on our history. Mm-hmm. And Not so, you know, yeah. And you mm-hmm. don't, you need, you know, people ask, how do I increase supply? And I go, wait a minute, let's figure out if you have a supply issue, why you're having a, like it's a, that opens Pandora's box or how do I, how do I heal damaged nipples? Well, that opens Pandora 
Pandora's box. Why are your nipples damaged? What's going on with baby? How's your, how's your supply? Like it just goes on and on. And um, yeah, it's, it's a double-edged sword for sure. I think, you know, that makes me think of oftentimes just in the medical field in general, regular traditional medicine will just go from, you know, oh, I have this thing here, take this medication or here, put this ointment on it or here, you know, and, and I think oftentimes even with something like this, it's like, how do I increase my supply? Well, maybe there's a pill, maybe there's a thing that you can take that you can do, but that's not the the issue. The issue is to go back and like you said, figure out why you're having that problem and what the root cause of it is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's hugely important hugely important because there are are a billion different reasons why moms can have low supply. And so if you have a mom that had low supply because her iron, I just talked to a mom this morning whose iron level is low, uh, low iron can decrease supply. Well, then somebody says, oh, you should take an iron supplement. Yeah. Well, if that mom's iron level is fine and it's that baby has oral restrictions, she needs a whole other litany of things. So it's, I can't encourage moms enough to seek help seek help you know it's so funny i i i just had an, another interview where um this mom said you know we spend to plan a wedding we usually spend average 12 months you know sometimes mm-hmm. people spend 6 months sometimes people send 24 months or a year and a half, whatever. But we spend eight like, days. I plan my wedding in eight days. Or oh, holy <laughs> moly, we are like the complete opposite. Oh my god, that's crazy. Or there's people like you who spend eight right. days. But for the average, I would say it's more like right. twelve months. You know, and we hire a DJ, we hire a florist, mm-hmm. we hire a caterer, we hire a planner, we hire all of these people, and then we have our birth. And yeah, maybe we go to some classes and we read some books, but hire those people if you have yeah. a financial ability or yeah. get those people to help plan that mm-hmm. event, you know, that, that journey. Yes. I try to help people understand that having one visit with me prenatally is so well worth it because we can address fears. We can talk about going back to work, we can get all of those things in order and talk about normal breastfeeding Mm -hmm. so that that opens that door, you know, but so many people, they, they don't want to spend the money on it. Side note, I worked at WIC for a long time and the women, infants and children program in the United States is providing in very many places, excellent lactation for people who cannot afford it. And so if you are unable to afford, yeah, low-income moms can go to the, be on the WIC program and oftentimes receive help from their peer counselors. There are CLCs there. There are IBCLCs there. So much help is had there, but if you can afford it, we are worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like we talked about earlier, so much of it is that anxiety and, you know, you have so many emotions and things that are not in your control that are being affected, you know, like oftentimes I'm still, I'm, you know, not yet a mom. So I can say like, oh, I'm having, you know, as an excuse, oh, I have PMS right now. Oh, I'm bitchy today because I have PMS. Oh, you know, (laughs) you make all these excuses, which, you know. Maybe I shouldn't make that excuse, 
However, moms who just gave birth and went through this traumatic experience mm. on their body, no matter how the baby came into the world, you cannot control. That is like the ultimate right. of emotional attack, you know, and yes. a hormone rush onto yes. your body. And, and I think so many times moms feel the pressure of getting things right and, and being the best mom. And it's all, you know, it's, oh, they put it on their bodies and it's not, it's not, it's, you need the help and the support and it, you're doing the best that you can and you're enough. You just maybe need some guidance. Yeah. I'll tell you, one of the things that I say so often is lower your standards. Mm -hmm. Just relax. Give yourself a break. Give yourself a break. And, and there, you know, moms that have the need to control their environment and their, their, the steps of their life sometimes have a harder problem, harder time um, with lactation because they want things to like, how many times should I breastfeed? Well, I mean, eight to 12 a day, not, there's not a number. I can't give you a number. I can't tell you how long you should breastfeed. We can give you guidelines, but you have to follow your baby, follow your baby. You need to breastfeed enough times to help your baby gain weight. Well, how long is that going to be? I don't know. Just Depends on this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and moms are so good at that. That's the thing. You know, once you've done this 60 or 70 times, which is just a few days into it, it right. doesn't take long, <laughs> you know, moms learn their babies and they have a wonderful sense. They have such power. Moms are so good at caring for their children, they intuitively know what their babies need. Even the moms that don't think they're going to know that find out that this baby's with them all the time. They're skin to skin. They're emotionally bonded. They're physically bonded. And, and moms just do a great job, consistently mm. do a great job. So separate from getting help or a couple of the other things, you know, giving yourself a break, what are a couple of important things for moms to remember about the lactation process and, and the pumping process as well? So protect your milk supply that from the first hour, if you are, if you are disconnected from baby in that first hour, you need to pump or use hand expression because your body produces a bolus of colostrum in that first hour that you will not have access to after that. You will have small amounts of colostrum for that first um, two or three days. And so you're saying right after the baby is born? With Right after. Baby should go from wherever, if the baby C-section or vaginal delivery to the mother's chest, if that's possible. Um, if mom has a C-section and they're not unable to do skin to skin, dad should do, or dad or partner, whoever that person is, should do skin to skin with the baby until the mother can. But in the average delivery, baby should go to your chest, keep that baby skin to skin for hours and hours and days and days and months and months and months. And so by doing that, your body will naturally respond to the baby. The baby will naturally respond to your body in a normal delivery, healthy delivery. Um, and baby will remove milk very, very frequently. If baby cannot remove milk frequently, mom needs to remove milk to stabilize that milk supply. Um, that's paramount. If mom's not removing milk, you're telling your body to not make that milk anymore. 
Okay. And that's a good thing. Our bodies need to know when to stop making milk because yeah. why would I still want to be lactating when my youngest biological child is 18? Right. right. right? So that's an important thing that happens, but we yeah. don't want that to happen early on. So we are need you to saying even milk. when the baby, you know, say, say there's a problem with the delivery and the baby cannot be on your chest right away and you cannot try to breastfeed right away, or maybe they're not latching something like that. Would you say having a pump ready and either you pumping or hand expressing right away? Yes, absolutely. And I would encourage moms to remove, to express at least eight to 10 times in a 24 hours period in the beginning. Sometimes moms are advised to pump, um, every three hours or so, I would like to see moms pumping every couple of hours because a, a newborn would breastfeed more than every three hours. So, and that all, you know, this is where we get into those hairy situations. What we have to do is we've got to see what what's happening with baby, what's happening with mom. And each individual plan needs to be different, but we always need to protect supply. If baby's not removing milk, mom needs to be removing milk. Are there any other little tips that you want to tell the listeners about that? Send out a text message. Little Britches was born. Um, we don't have a wait yet because he's still doing skin to skin. <laughs> we'll get more information out later and turn your phone off. Yep. <laughs> um, I would encourage people that, you know, like you liking it, liken it to a honeymoon. You wouldn't take, you wouldn't take your neighbors on your honeymoon. Yeah. So don't bring your neighbors to the hospital. These first couple of days, you can never get back. You can never get back. And they're so vital. Keep that time sacred, keep it sacred. And I, of course, you know, you want your parents to come in possibly if you have a good relationship with them, they can be there and they can be there quick. And unless they're supporting, sometimes that's where a real support system comes in. So if they're the support system, of course, they should be there. Um, hire a doula. That doula can tell people. That doula can Goodbye. be the, the bouncer. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm telling you, what, as a doula, I'm like, okay, who do you want here and who do you not want here? Yeah. And then I'm like, I've had so many family members mad at me. And I'm like, mm, sorry, you <laughs> need to go back to the waiting room. We'll call you in six hours. Why don't you just go get some lunch? Exactly. They're like the party you know? planner. They're the wedding right, planner. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I'm telling you, if, if a woman can hire a doula, I strongly encourage um, doula support. That We know that doulas have shown, uh, have been proven to help moms suffer less pain. We know that moms have less C-sections, less medical interventions. We know that mom's breastfeeding experience goes better. better. And as a doula, my job is always to support the couple. Um, the mother and her partner in being the best that they can be. The job is not for the doula to take over and help mom with the delivery. The, the doula is there to support that unit. And um, I, that would be one of my biggest pieces of advice. Um, you know, if you're going to go back to work, help helps get somebody. That's another great use for a lactation consultant. That's a really huge stressor, um, returning to work and learning how to pump, hook up with somebody who can guide you and help you to get a personalized plan for your work situation and your body. You know, there's lots of planning to do, lots of planning and you and mothers deserve that support. They deserve that support. 
Yeah. Don't go at it alone. You're already a hero. Don't try to, don't try to be more, more of a hero. You're creating human life. And that's amazing. You've provided so much helpful information. I'm so excited we were able to talk. This was so helpful. I have one last question for you. And usually I ask it for your children, but since they're a little older, however, you can, I think you can still connect for your, your adopted child because they're only 13. Mm -hmm. So maybe for that child and your grandchildren, what is something that you want to tell them now for when they're 18? Uh, that, (laughs) That they are enough. That's for all of my kids, all of my kids, for everybody's kids. We are enough to be kind, to understand your privilege, Mm -hmm. to be someone else's cheerleader, you know, I want to, to, be the change you want to see in the world, like truly love people and protect yourself from people who aren't good for you. Yeah. You know, it's okay to not have relationships with people who don't bring you up. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing that translates well into motherhood as well, because I think we're all, when we make that step, hit with all these different opinions and thoughts and judgments. But if there's somebody in your circle, that's not supporting whatever method that is Uh for whatever aspect of motherhood that is, it's okay to say you're not for me right now. Yeah. Because I need to be supported. And just because you don't like someone doesn't make them a bad person. And just because they don't like you doesn't make them a bad person. Some people fit and some people don't, and there's no judgment connected with that. That's beautiful. I'm so excited that we were (laughs) able to connect. I'm so grateful that, um, that, you know, the cool, one of the coolest things about this podcast is just finding the little connections in my life and, strangers that I meet truly we connected through your niece Megan who's uh-huh. teaching me how to speak Spanish online and I've right. never even met Megan in person and you know it's just really really special for me and you know I can find myself down the road when I'm ready to have kids reaching out to you and you know we would have never met had it not been yeah. from all of these reasons so I'm just so grateful how can people find you so I have a Facebook page Renee D as in Davis, Renee D. IBCLC, um, and I think it's Dash Lactation Consultant. Um, they can email me at Renee D. IBCLC at gmail.com. And just so everyone knows, IBCLC is International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. Wonderful. So Renee D. IBCLC at Gmail. So I'm available. I do online consults. Um, If you're local, I do home visits and I do visits in my office and I would just be thrilled to partner with anybody's journey. I love that. I will definitely put all of your information in the show notes, as well as a couple links that you mentioned for me um, so that people have some access to things and, and can reach out to you. But thanks so much for taking some time. I really appreciate chatting. Thank you, Jessica. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms, and I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. 
I'm a Mama in Training. If you're enjoying what you hear, take a minute on Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and make sure you review so other mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. Some fun news for you. We have a private mama network for support and community of mamas. If you'd like to join, email info at thepumpingpodcast.com. Also, if you'd like to be a guest and share your journey into motherhood, email interviews at thepumpingpodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at thepumpingpodcast. And for any other questions or to connect, check out thepumpingpodcast.com. Thank you so much for spending some of your day with me. You light me up and inspire me. And share the podcast with a mama or future mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping.